Thank you, Mindya. <clears throat> so Mindya will be with us today, sharing her beautiful music with us. I thought it'd be an interesting <clears throat> counterpoint to some of the work we'll do today, which is not the most fun work in the world, <laughs> which is looking at our inner demons, inner critics, judges, whatever you call them. So one of the, thing I, one of the things I was thinking about as I was, or feeling really, as I was listening to the beautiful flute is, um, it re- reminds me, it gives me the sense when I'm listening to it that there's nothing wrong. That there's nothing wrong. Which is, of course, the opposite of what the critic has to say about life. In which there is something wrong, especially with you or me, more to the point. So welcome to this day on the inner critic. If you look around, you might notice that there's a, quite a few people in the room who may happen to know somebody who has this you know, challenging thing called the critic. <laughs> it's always good to know that you are not alone in this department. Right? We often think we are the only ones accursed with this peculiar phenomena called inner tyranny. <laughs> and it's actually somewhat sad but heartening to know that we're not alone. <laughs> so welcome to this day. Welcome to Spirit Rock for those of you who are new. And just uh, one logistical and announcement. So if you're here getting continuing ed units, please remember to sign in if you haven't done already. So before we start, let's just sit together. Let's just arrive, gather ourselves. just taking some moments to to arrive arrive here in your body wherever you've come from wherever you've driven from walked from just closing your eyes or lowering your gaze and turning that gaze of awareness inwards And just noticing and meeting what's here as you sit. Sitting with an attitude of kindness, of welcoming your experience. Letting yourself be as you are and welcoming yourself as you are.
mindfulness gives us the capacity to simply meet our experience, to know what's here, to know what is. So what do you notice as you sit? What do you feel in your body? Tired, restless, uncomfortable, calm, over-caffeinated, letting your body come into stillness, feeling the stillness of the room, stillness of this beautiful autumnal morning. Noticing your breath without making a project out of that. Just simply notice how you're breathing. Shallow, light, deep, short, tense, smooth, (coughs) without any agenda, without any control. What is the quality of the breath like? Just sitting in a very relaxed way, aware of your body, sitting, aware of your breath, gently coming and going, aware of the sounds in the room, and aware of whatever else is here. Noticing the climate of your heart. What are you feeling as you're here? Anxious, curious, uncertain, relaxed, happy. Stressed. So noticing, meeting, allowing experience to be as it is. Very simple, not so easy. When the attention wanders, which it naturally will, many times, if possible, without judgment, just simply noticing. Attention's wandered, thinking happens, begin again. If judgments judgments happen, notice that, let them go, begin again.
sitting, sensing, breathing, noticing, seeing if it's possible to meet what's happening with a kind attention, welcoming. I'll close with a poem I wrote called Descent into Love. Who would have known, borrowing curiously into my own shadow, stepping gently into these inner crypts that hide secrets, sore and tender memories I've spent a lifetime running from, would be the passage that begins with a crack, a hairline splinter in rock that lets in a ray of light leading me down into the fleshy room of my heart, softening that space vacant for years, filling it with sweetness, where hard boundaries separating me for so long from the rigid edges of my world become porous, and skin becomes thin, it starts to feel every impression of this harsh and welcoming life. Here I come to know you like my own, and that's where it begins, What I've longed for starts moving like the breath, no longer making distinctions between inside and outside. I can't help but feel love for all of it, the pine needles, the disappointments, the senseless senseless bombings, the sounds of crickets and children neglected, and the look in my eyes as I walk half asleep into the terrors of this life, touching all of it with a gesture of a friend.
So just want to do a sound check. Is anybody having difficulty hearing me? Yes, so a little louder. Can we get a little more volume? So I'll just keep talking. Is that a little bit? It's too loud, too much reverb, so down a bit. How's that? Can you hear that? Is that better? You might want to sit closer to a speaker if, if it gets harder, but um, is that workable? Yeah? Okay. Okay, so again, welcome to those who just arrived. My name is Mark Coleman, and we're here to um, explore a very interesting part of our mind and life. what some would call a curse. <laughs> and I was re reflecting on, as again, listening to the flute um, of a phrase that uh, my friend Wes Niska says a lot uh, with his understanding of the human mind, particularly through understanding uh, our evolutionary biology. Uh, and his summary of all that understanding is, you are not your fault. You are not your fault. Who you are and how you came to be is not your fault. Right? But of course our critic thinks, yes it is, it is your fault. You are like you are because you messed up in some way. So I'm curious why you're here. Right? It seems to be a popular theme on a very lovely sunny autumnal day, you could be at the beach, you could be <laughs> having a picnic, you could be walking, I don't know, who knows what you could be doing. But you're here on a Sunday morning, looking into this, this theme of judgment. So anybody like to say in a word or two, what brings you today? What were you hoping to learn or look at or what motivates you? Just shout out. Yes. My critic made you go. Your critic made you go. <laughs> it didn't give you any choice. <laughs> it would have given you a really hard time if you hadn't gone. <laughs> hmm? I'm not going to do it well anyway. What's that? I had to you had to improve yourself. Yes, God forbid. You could waste a Sunday not improving yourself. <laughs> So in it she has an inner cheerleader and inner critic, and the critic is preventing her from doing things that she'd like to do. Anybody else feel that way? Yes. And then can we get a mic? Let's get a, Can we get a mic runner? Yes. Intending to what? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's so what you. Right. 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 Yeah. 
so the, so what goes in goes out. So if we're judging here, we're, ju- we're also judging outwards. So sometimes you know we we can go either way. You know we can lean more what to one or the other, but it's the same voice. You know we judge ourselves, we judge our kids, we judge our family, we judge loved ones in a painful way, right? And as you say, we look towards the negative. We look towards what's wrong. At least that critical voice does. Um, so yeah, other hands. I saw a hand over here. Do you want to wait for the mic? Okay, go for it. Are you too loud? Just kidding. So that's a great example. We're sitting, minding our own business, you know, just sitting, breathing, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, a memory, a thought, a to-do list, something we haven't done, haven't done well enough comes in, and then it robs, you know, the critic is the thief of peace. You know, it robs us from well-being. It robs us from sense of value. Yeah. So good to see that. Yes. Get some mics down. Well, how about here first, since I'm since you're there? Because a couple of years ago, I was very sick, and ever since I have to take medication, and my inner critic is telling me, you're not good enough, you should be able mm. to do without. And every time I try without, it's not going to work. But I'm judging myself, like, you should be able, you have to have a healthier lifestyle, you have to do this, you have to do this. And I'm at now at a point where I'm like, no, I don't. I want to accept that I have to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, again, the voice of the critic, assuming in this case medical authority of what you should be doing or should not be doing or should be capable of, and um, you know, whenever you hear that word "should," you know that the critic is somewhere close at hand, and it's usually. A counterpoint to actually what's true. Right? Sometimes the body needs medication. That's why we have medication. It has its place. And yeah, good. Yeah. There's um, hands over here. No, we need the mic. And can we get some volume on the mic? Um, yeah, can we get so. Um, testing, 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 testing. Um, oh, yeah. Yo. Yeah, <laughs> How's that? Not good enough. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. <laughs> it's perfect, just as it is. Okay. <laughs> well, I seem to have such a pathological fear of rejection mm. that um, I will reject people before they have a chance to mm. reject me. Yeah and it all becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very painful. So I do this work because it's really, really painful to have a critic, right? When I listen to that, you know, it's said with this a little bit of humor, but I'm, I'm like, my heart's like just feels the grief of that pattern, right? How many other people do that? We, we you know, we stay safe because the fear of being rejected, or, right, right, and it's very painful. Very painful and very sad. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I saw another hand back there somewhere. Yeah. Oh. Um, I came. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. No. Some. Hello? Hello? Yeah, come on. A little more volume. Should I wait? Yeah, just go. Just talk loud. Um, I came to see if I can figure out where the mute button for my inner critic is. <laughs> <laughs> she was the mute button. Trying to find out where the mute button or the off switch. Yeah. Okay, we'll look for that today. <laughs> Could be worth a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I'm newly retired, and it gives you a whole lot of time, too much time to mm. think. Of. And I would like to go out peaceful and feeling good about myself rather than thinking about all the things I didn't do right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Interesting vantage point you're in. Yeah. In the 2020, you know, I'll say more about this later. Judge has such great 2020 hindsight. Sorry. I came because I love to hear you, and because I want to see, seems that, um, I want to see since last year how much has changed with this, and it, I get more honest with it when I come and sit at a day long and really look at it. Mm. So Yeah, good. Okay, that gives me your last one here. Yeah. I, uh, it dawned on me that my inner critic has legs and uh, power that comes from God knows where. Uh, and, and it seems always so rigged, you know, like I'm supposed to take it on by myself. Uh, so, uh, and, and preferably uh, without letting on to anybody that this might be an issue, you know. Mm. So um, it dawned on me that maybe I might find among uh, others uh, and yourself uh, some source of energy to, to have the same kind of legs for myself. Mm-hmm. When you say has legs, you mean like like wine has legs, or legs that like it follows you around, or no legs like um, isn't that an expression? It's legs like what does that mean? <laughs> I'm not from this country. I don't uh, know. That means um, staying power. Oh, staying power. Staying power. Yeah, yeah. It does seems to stick around for decades. Good. Okay, thank you. So many reasons. Right? Outer, inner, judging outer, inner, pain. Right? How many people here? Because it really just sucks to have a critic. Like it's just really freaking painful, right? And also really tedious. Yeah, and challenging. Yeah, I'd say you know I, all my work with clients and students that I've worked with, you know, thousands of people over the years. Particularly in the in the spiritual, you know, realm, meditation realm that I move in a lot. I don't know whether meditators are more aware of it, I imagine they are, um, but I'd say it's the number one debilitating, mentally debilitating process that I can encounter. Like it just seems to really hamper so many people's well-being, natural sense of ease, right? natural sense of worth and value. 
And the good news, you know, the good news with practice, with meditation, with awareness, with mindfulness, with some inquiry and some conscious work with this phenomena, we can actually have some space, we can find some room, we can find some freedom in relationship to it. So we may not find the mute button, we'll see whether we find it today, but we might not. Um, But we can find the uh, a clearer relationship to it where we can disengage, where we can not be so um, influenced by. So in the context of the Buddhist tradition, the, the word for the critic is Mara. Right? So, the, so in, in, the, in the old texts, 2,600 years ago, when the Buddha was on his own quest and his own path, both prior to and post-enlightenment, he would um, have these encounters with this mm, somewhat mythological being called Mara, who is considered, it's like the epitome of unconsciousness and the sort of the, yeah, the, the unconscious forces of the mind, of the ego and uh, came to him at the night of his enlightenment, as many of you know the story. He's sitting, he's battling all these inner demons, and, um, and the last, and, and Mara's, Mara, who's uh, aghast that someone will actually break through the, the delusion that he's, sort of this, this web of delusion that Mara creates of unconsciousness, um, he's challenging the Buddha in many different ways. And the last thing he says, he says, who are you to sit on this throne of enlightenment? Who do you think you are to get enlightened? Sound familiar voice? Who do you think you are? Fill in the blank, right? Whatever your blank is. And the, Baris, and the, and the Buddha said, he didn't say anything actually. He touched the earth. This mudra here, for those of you who can see it on this side of the room, it's called the Bhumaspasha Mudra, touches the earth, so the mythology goes. And the Buddha said, the earth is my witness. I take my seat. I am worthy to take this seat. I'm worthy to wake up. I'm worthy to be a conscious human being. It's a very profound statement. And that's true for all of us. We are worthy to be here. We are worthy to be in our skin. We are worthy to be a human being. We are worthy to wake up. We are worthy to love and be loved. We are worthy to take our place, to take our seat at the table. And really a lot of practice a lot of Dharma practice. Dharma is a word in this context for teachings, practices, truth. Um, Dharma teachings are supporting us to realize that, to, to support us coming home to ourselves, to our true nature, which is essentially inherently good. Right? But in nature, uh, nature is essentially goodness, kindness. The nature of the heart is love. 
So what was interesting, after the Buddha's enlightenment, you'd think, oh, he's kind of done with Mara, you know, goes and moves into his spiritual retirement home, you know. (laughs) But no, he comes back many times, tries to trick the Buddha, like, oh, you don't need to teach this stuff, it's too complicated, it's too difficult, no one will understand, just go live in the forest, have a nice time, you know. And the Buddha, you know, sort of has a debate, and at some point he realized, oh, Mara, I see you. Here you come again, you're trying to trick me into unconsciousness. And as soon as Mara is seen, he sort of gets deflated and he withers away and kind of limps off. Um, so to me and to, to other scholars, I'm not a scholar, but scholar friends of mine, point to this as that these forces of the mind, these unconscious forces, don't go away no matter how awake we are. Right? The Buddha apparently didn't have a mute button for Mara because he kept returning. Whether he keeps returning is not the point. The point is that we see. The point is that we have the light of awareness to discern when Mara, critic, judge, tyrant, whatever you call it, is present. Because it's that awareness that is the key point for uh, whether we um, take on and believe and give authority to those words or whether we don't. And that's what we'll be looking at today. So. <clears throat> I want to read a quote from uh, Hamid, or his book name is Almas, who's the founder of the Diamond Approach School. And um, I drew, I studied with him for about 10 years, so I drew a lot of my understanding about the critic from his teaching. And um, he's, uh, they've done, they do a lot of really great work, and we'll, we'll draw on that work today. Around. So, um, his, uh, so his name is, his book name is Almas, A-L-M-A-A-S, A-H Almas. But he's often was also called Hamid, and founder of the Diamond Approach work. He says the problem is not that we want to be happy, but that we are going about it in the wrong way. Which is really exactly what the Buddha said. When we really see that we're going about it in the wrong way, we quit, and then life can unfold on its own. We cannot make it unfold. We can't quit our rejection, our judgment, our intolerance but we will quit these patterns only when we completely and totally see what they're doing, that they're hurting us. So sometimes on the path of meditation, mindfulness, awareness, the, the voice of the critic actually looms larger because we become more aware. As we become more self-aware, we, be, we start to see the patterns in our mind. And we also start to see how uh, affected we are and how impacted. So um, that may be the case for many of you. You may think, oh my God, this meditation practice is bad for my health. It's making me, I'm seeing just what a terrible bundle of terrible thoughts and judgments and things about myself and others. Well, it's probably just coming into the light of awareness. 
a quote from Sir Walter Scott, caught not the critic's smile nor dread his frown. As a response to a comment here about the, um, the judge and the, the cheerleader. Right? Sometimes a ju- the judge can be a cheerleader. Oh, well done, good meditation, good meditation. Good, 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 good go, keep doing, keep doing. And then you know, we like you're just waiting for the slap, right? If you if you mess up. So it's kind of amazing that we all have this, because right? it doesn't seem to bring much happiness. Right? As, as, as Hamid's saying, it's, it brings a lot of pain. And it's remarkable that, that um, we give it such a lot of power, such a lot of authority. This is from a cartoon. So as you'll see, I use a lot of humor, both when I teach in general, but particularly with this topic, because um, as Wavy Gravy says, if you don't have a sense of humor, it just ain't funny. <laughs> and... It's sort of funny in a perverse way, you know. I mean, human beings, we're weird, you know. And we have all these really weird head trips and mind trips. And, um, and it's good to laugh at ourselves because it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, it's painful, painfully funny, funny. And, but the, the, it's the lightness, the humor that actually is, the, I think, the, the strongest force not the strongest, but a very powerful force to undermine the critic. If we can laugh at something, we can't take it so seriously. And basically, my main approach with the critic is, it's not going to necessarily go away. It might get quieter, but the, the, the key determinant is not whether it's present or not, how loud it is or not, but what, what we do in relationship to it, whether we care about it or not. And my orientation is mostly to just stop caring about it. Stop worrying about it, not giving it the time of day. So it becomes like a yapping dog. Sometimes you can't quiet a yapping dog. Some dogs just like to yap, as you know. And it follows you around. Yappy, yappy, yappy. Not good, not bad, not enough. You know, all the different mantras it's got going on. And to be not bothered by it, to be not caring about what it's saying, when it's saying, how it's saying, to be somewhat dismissive of it. It's a bit like when Ram Dass talks about working with his ego. He says, you know, the ego, the personality doesn't go away. All these neurotic, all these neuroses don't go away. You know, they just, they just, you know, as as awareness grows, the the neuroses just get smaller and they follow you around like a yapping dog. You know, and you just don't worry about them so much anymore. So this is um, a, a comic strip rhymes with orange, and it's called a checklist of feeling pathetic, <laughs> which is really the judge's checklist. Examine your face closely in the mirror and notice all the flaws. <laughs> Relive embarrassing, awful moments that occurred years ago. <laughs> Choose somebody and unf- and compare yourself unfavorably to them. And see if you're doing that today, you know, the perfect meditator, someone's like, hmm. Like, God, I wish they would just scratch or something. <laughs> Think about the people who you'd regularly disappoint. And I add, especially to the people who share your last name. <laughs> Disregard compliments from people who supposedly love you. 
We could we could fill in our own little thing here, right? We could have our own list, right? Checklist of what do you do in the morning? To oh, all the things you haven't done, all the emails you haven't sent, all the phone calls you haven't returned, all the projects that are lying undone, the the plants in the garden that need watering, <laughs> and the you know, it's like it's endless, right? Right, and your car needs washing, and your you know, like it's that it's that habit, it's that negative fixation. And it's, you know, it's created deep neural pathways. And it will keep digging deeper neural pathways if we keep going down that pathway. So it's also a choice point to some extent. Choice point about what we pay attention to, how we pay attention to, what we feed. And so much of mindfulness practice is, is, is teaching us that we, with, with awareness and with discernment, we see that there are often choice points. Right? Just like you mentioned about looking to the negative, right? We, you know, we're sitting in, you know, maybe sitting in here or sitting in a cafe or you're sitting in a bus stop or something, and you're watching the people go by and you're just finding a fault with everybody, <laughs> just happily minding your own business. <laughs> Oh, they're too short. Oh, and they're too scruffy. And they look a little, you know. You know, and we kind of, it's like we just a pastime, right? It's a national pastime. Right? But actually, we want to look at those habits because guess what happens when there's nobody around? Well, it turns inward. Well, look at me, slob. Didn't wash today or didn't, you know, whatever today. I did wash today, just so you know. <laughs> Well, I was at a dinner party last night and we were playing this game and one of the questions was, would you rather not wash for a week or wear the same clothes for a week? It was an interesting question as part of this game. Anyhow. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> I was happy with both, actually, but anyhow. <laughs> so, just to look a little about the ways the critic manifests. So the, one of the main ways it manifests is through perfectionism. This idea, or this ideal, that there is a perfect way, that there's a right way. And guess what? You're not probably doing it. <laughs> or not doing it well enough, or perfectly enough, right? Which is a complete setup for suffering, because there's no such thing as perfection in, in this life. You know? What is perfect? What is, how can any human behavior be perfect? So to see the very um, premise of that view as being completely erroneous, right? There isn't perfection. Right? There's perfectly imperfect. The critic basically is saying it's not okay to be human. It's not okay to be who you are. Right? Which is human, which is having foibles, which is having idiosyncrasies, which is having quirks. It's what makes us interesting, right? We're all quirky. We're all weird, right? We're all wacky in a certain way. And it's what makes us interesting. What makes gives us personality in a certain way? Gives us something to talk about. So it's not okay to be who you are, which is a bit of a problem because you are how you are. <laughs> and you see the sort of logical inconsistency of that.
the critic will be your constant, vigilant, loyal reminder that you're not doing it right. right? That you're not doing whatever you're doing right. You know, particularly in meditation, right? So the critic follows you, right? Whatever you get into, playing the guitar, learning to meditate, parenting, new job, you name it, it comes with you and tells you that you're not quite up to snuff, you're not quite up to standard. So it's a kind of a persecuting voice and in, in really cramping creativity, innovation, vision, dreaming. And as I mentioned earlier, the critic has 20-20 hindsight, right? My, my, I notice this when I'm driving a lot, you know, and there's a lot of traffic in the Bay Area, and, you know, and so I hit traffic, you know, I'm going into the city from Marin, and I could either go down Lombard or Geary, and I hit traffic on Lombard. Why didn't you take Geary? <laughs> and, you know, get out your map thing. Oh, look, there's this clear green line all the way down Geary. What's up with you? How come you didn't know that? Well, I didn't look at my map. <laughs> So, but I mean, it, we, I mean, it's, 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 it can be just really de- debilitating when we, you know, we look back at decisions we've made, job choices, relationship. Anybody regret a relationship choice, <laughs> right? Or a job choice, or a moving choice, or you know, oh, you should have invested in Apple when it was only twenty-two <laughs> cents a stock. Yeah, well, thanks for the tip. I could have used it back then. <laughs> you know. So it's it's um, it's brutal and brutalizing when we uh, let it in. <clears throat> Coulda, woulda, shoulda. It's invented by the critic. And then you may notice that you that the critic can take both sides. It can take it can take many sides of an argument, and whichever side it takes, it wins. And you're wrong, right? It says, um, you know. You know, you you know, you you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, it's time to meditate. You know, and the critic says, no, you should sleep in. You know, they say you got to take care of your body, and sleep's really important. So just let yourself sleep. So you sleep in, and you wake up at nine o'clock, and you feel like, oh God, I can't believe you slept in. You're such a slob. You didn't <laughs> meditate. You didn't do yoga. You didn't do your prayers. And na 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 na. Right? It will just keep, you know, whichever way to give you a hard time. Um, what else? So the main, well, the main voice really, I think it comes as is, you're not enough, right? You're not good enough. You're not enough at, fill in, fill in your particular place, thing, skill that you're not enough at. You're not smart enough, you're not deep enough, you're not wise enough, you're not mindful enough, you're not compassionate enough, you're not rich enough, you're not... Who knows what enough is, but... So I was working in this, with these um, guys in a hedge fund, in the, in the glory days of hedge funds before the crash, and um, teaching them about mindfulness and resiliency. And uh, so I, one day, some of you know the story, I come in and there was a particular good day, the tr- one the, the main trader had made, um, series of complicated trades just came to fruition and he'd made about 50 million for the company which of course he's going to be on some nice handsome commission himself so it was a good day all around 
And I came in and, and I meet with him in the afternoon and he looks really stressed. And I was expecting him to be really, you know, full of himself. And, you know, hey, guess what I made today? <laughs> How much did you make? <laughs> and he said, um, oh, you know, I could have, if I bought a little sooner, and if I just held on a few more hours, I would have made a few more million. You know, it's never enough. For the critic, it's never enough. You know, I think, wasn't it... Um, one of the Kennedys said, it's never enough. Uh, no matter how much money you have, it's never enough. So to think about the places where you, where you believe this voice, you're not enough. Smart enough, kind enough, generous enough, fit enough. What about parenting? Is any, I, know, I know the critic never comes to parents. <laughs> There are some impossibly difficult tasks as a human being that we do, you know, impossibly hard, you know, just really difficult roles. Like, have you ever met a perfect parent? <laughs> perfect husband or wife? It doesn't happen. We do what we can with the skills that we have as human beings with a good heart, and then we mess up, and we begin again, and we mess up, and we begin again, and we make a mistake, and we, you know. This is from Annie Lamott. I'm probably just as good a mother as the next repressed, obsessive, compulsive paranoiac. (laughs) So an important uh, point with this work with the critic is the, well, there's many many important points. How many do I have here? I'm going to get to that a bit later. I've been going through them. Um, is the difference between judgment and discernment. So to understand the difference between a judging, when I use the word judging in this context, versus a discernment or an evaluation. So many of us, you know, in our lives, and particularly many of us in our work, we need to have a critical faculty. You're assessing people, you're assessing data and numbers, you're making decisions, you're doing strategy. Right? We need a strong, healthy, critical faculty. Right? Strong discernment. You know, when I'm working with students and clients, I need, I need to be discerned you know, what their state of mind is so I can help them and give them practices and whatnot. The difference in this context between a judgment and a discernment is a judgment is has a implicit value-laden, it's it's, it's a value-laden statement about our worth as a human being, right? So to give you a simple example, you're meditating and you're really um, overwhelmed with some work stress, so you can barely even feel your body, never mind notice your breath, because you're just lost in thought the whole time. The end of the meditation, you might make the evaluation or the discernment. Well, I was really lost in thought. That was really difficult to concentrate. I was barely present for that whole meditation. A judgment would be, God, that was pathetic. You were so, it was just like, it was just a waste of time. I mean, you just, you didn't even pay t- attention. Like, you just couldn't get it together. Right? So there's a, cl- you know, there's a slightly exaggerated example, but the point is, same data, different impact, right? One is, one is a clear evaluation. Yeah, sometimes we, we're just all over the place. Not a problem. To 
the critic. It means something about us as a human being. It means we're lesser than because of that, right? Which is why the judgment, the critic, makes you feel shame. Right? Shame is the consequence of the, of the inner critic. Right? This book that I was referring to is called Soul Without Shame. It's, it's a living a life without shame, free from the, the inner judgments. So, one of the things that's important to, 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 to look at, to understand, is how we give authority to the judge. How we give it the voice of authority. We give it power. We listen to it. We believe it. And because we believe it, we let it berate us. We let it thrash us. We let it re- remind us of our mistakes and our um, foibles and our idiosyncrasies. So, so I, I often give the analogy, imagine, say you, say you, you messed up, you, you know, say you forgot you know, a, a dear friend's birthday and it was a big deal for them that you remember their birthday and you forgot, right? It happens, right? Who hasn't forgotten? Who hasn't remembered a birthday this week? <laughs> right? So the judge, of course, it's a complete setup for the judge to be totally on our case, right? nailing us many, 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 many times. can't believe you did that. How could you forget that you love this person? God, it's so inconsiderate. Who are you? Your friend? Your terrible friend? Blah, 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 blah. Right? Imagine you, you gave that data to your friend, to another friend, and, and you asked them to follow you around and to remind you all the times that you'd forgotten that person's birthday, and all the other birthdays you've forgotten, by the way, and all the other things that you forget, by the way, and they just followed you around, just benignly, you know, just, you know, just reminding you in your ear that you have forgetful and considerate and kind and all of that. How long would you put up with your friends saying that? Right? Ten seconds? A minute? Right? Before you go, wait, okay, I got it, I forgot my friend's birthday, like, okay, thank you, like, enough. Yeah, I got it. Thanks. I'm, I'll do my best. I'm, you know. But with our critic, we don't do that. Right? We just let it go on and on and on and on, and we get beaten down, which is why we get depressed, because we're, there's a kind of a pressure on us that's attacking our f- fundamental value and worth because we forgot to send someone a birthday card. So um, just for fun, let's let's hear and uh, just shout out one word. What names for your critic? What do you what, what how do you, what do you call your critic? Or what what's drill like the what? Drill sergeant. Drill sergeant. Yes, drill sergeant. Mom. Yeah. Hmm? Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mom or dad. You know, depending on where we get, because that's where it mostly comes from. What else? Gremlin. Gremlin. Yeah. Timmy. Huh? Pig? Pig. Okay. Demon. Demon. Mm-hmm. What Barbara. else? <laughs> Barbara. Barbara? I don't, know, I don't even know anyone named Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> I just call her Barbara. It, 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 whatever helps, you know, personify and, and, and identify is actually helpful. So, Barbara. Hey, it's a good one. What else? Conscience. Conscience. Yeah. So, we, we, we conflate conscience and the critic. 
which is why we get into trouble. But what else? Reality, truth. This is what the truth is. All right, reality. Uh huh. So we take it as reality. The feisty beast. Yeah. I had a great uh, term the other day. Was it called? Uh, actually, a book about it. I forget. There's the tyrant, killjoy, terminator, <laughs> destroyer, underminer, thief of peace, perfectionist, taskmaster. The controller, the molder, the guilt tripper. Sound familiar? Oh, what a bundle of fun. (laughs) (laughs) So just take a moment to notice what it's like. uh, Just notice what you're feeling listening to this. What are you feeling in your body? What are you feeling in your heart? What's happening in your mind? Let's take a few breaths. Not so easy to bring this to mind. Maybe you're feeling weighed down. Maybe you're feeling lightened up because we're also talking about it in a light way. Maybe it's bringing back memories of you know how it plagues you. So we're going to do an exercise, but I realize I haven't set this exercise up yet, so we might do it after, we might take a break. So how many of you do not have anything to write something down with? I can't believe you showed up to a workshop. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I can't believe I forgot to take care of this with my... With my, uh, with Michelle, our manager for the day. <laughs> so Michelle, if we can um, get uh, lots of small pieces of paper and pencils, and we'll we'll distribute them at the break. So, but before we do that, um, so what I'm going to ask you to do, and you can start doing this uh, during the break too, is to write down your top ten judgments. Yeah, you could be top 20, <laughs> but at least get to five. Your most common judgments. Because what, one of the things that I've learned is that when we write judgments down, when we write anything down, when we read something, we engage a, a different cognitive capacity than just what's paying attention to what's going on in the tumble driver of our mind. Right? When we read, we bring a more critical analysis than we do to what's in here, usually. And so when we write our judgments down, okay, so the people coming around, so, so raise your hand if you need a pencil or a piece of paper, and, and there's people come around and we'll give you those. 
Um, so we're not going to share these on Facebook, um, <laughs> unless you would like. Um, it'd be fun to actually have a critic page. Uh, fan page. (laughs) And to write the judgment in the judge's voice. So, um, you are a really disorganized, untogether person. You're never going to get your shit together. You're always late for everything. You're so self-centered and self-obsessed. Or whatever, whatever your voice, whatever the, the statement is. Remember the critic often has a lot of shoulds, a lot of always, a lot of nevers in. You're never gonna get your life together. You're always going to be a mess. You're never going to find someone who likes you. Blah, 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 blah. Right? You said to write it on second, second person? To write it as the judge is talking. So the judge... Okay. I mean, I'll write it however it comes out, however you hear it, really. Could be I... I'm never going to get my shit together. Right? However you hear the judge, judgmental voice. And we are going to take a break in a minute, but I mean, if, you, if you're dying for the bathroom course at any time, please uh, go. There's usually a big rush during the break. So, Anybody else need pens or paper? Oh no, I'm going to be the last one to fill in my questions. <laughs> I'm going to be the slowest in the class. Notice if you're judging your judgments, they're not good enough. They're not judgmental enough.
Okay, so we're going to um, take a break. You feel free to continue writing if you haven't finished your top 10, top 20. And noticing what happens as you, as, you, as you write out your judgments, just what feelings come up, what memories, you know, pleasant, unpleasant. Well, probably not pleasant, but you know. Um, and we'll take a short break and we'll come back and we'll do some work with these um, statements. So uh, let's take a 10 minute break. And there are bathrooms outside. There's also bathrooms in each of these um, trailers in the courtyard outside. So. And notice your judging mind as you take your break. And Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.